Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, January 6th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only union screen printer in Boston. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Beantown Athletics is also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back and make sure you tell them I sent you. So it is a Wednesday, which means... I will preview the upcoming week in the National Football League. And if you've been paying any attention, you know what week it is. It is Wild Card Weekend. The NFL playoffs begin on Saturday. Two games on Saturday. Two games on Sunday with four teams in the NFL playoffs getting a bye. Uh, Two in the AFC, two in the NFC. The AFC teams getting byes. Denver, New England. And then in the NFC, Carolina, Arizona. So the wild card weekend is upon us. And every Wednesday, again, I preview the upcoming week. So I'm going to do that in just a moment and give you really, but really I'm going to do, I'm going to predict, I'm going to give you my predictions for the playoffs right now. And that's what I'm going to do. And not with the spread. I'm talking about straight up every single round, every single game up to the Super Bowl and through the Super Bowl and give you my Super Bowl champ. On Friday, I will give you my picks for the Wild Card Weekend with the spread. Again, we have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. So four games this weekend, I will pick all of them with the spread. And I know when I give you maybe some of my predictions here in the first round and throughout the playoffs, I might be teasing some of my picks with the spread uh, that I'll give you on Friday. But the spreads can change between now and Saturday. So that's why I wait until Friday to give you that. But my NFL playoff preview and prediction special will take place right here today on this very podcast. And then I will get to some of the other stories around the world of sports. Uh, we, uh, you know, I'm keeping an eye on this Peyton Manning story with HGH, the Al Jazeera report. I know the national media doesn't really want to do it, but I've been doing it. I'm going to continue to do it. Um, And the New York Times, they did a little digging on their own because the one beef that you might have is not just the fact that the national media, the national sports media seems to be ignoring this storyline. The the link that, that there is that Al Jazeera, when they connected Peyton Manning to HGH, You know, a lot of the national sports media is ignoring this. That's pissing me off that they're ignoring this story. I'm not saying that we should come out and say we we all think Peyton Manning is guilty. And to be honest, even if he was proven guilty, I've told you many times, I wouldn't even care. All I care about is the precedent that was set with regards to how they made Deflategate such a big, major, earth-shattering storyline when it really was a non-issue And here they are now with this HGH situation and this HGH report that Al Jazeera has come up with that links Peyton Manning to it. ESPN, national sports media outlets, I told you what Jim Nance said. We talked about him yesterday for CBS. They did the Denver game over the weekend against San Diego. They told you they wouldn't mention it. 
Um, you know, these national outlets, Sunday Night Football and NBC, you know, they had a couple players from that Green Bay team. Uh, they did that Green Bay-Minnesota game. They didn't want to mention it. Bob Costas didn't want to do anything on it. Those guys already set the precedent for what could possibly be non-issues, non-stories based on a lack of evidence. They made those things storylines, or at least they talked about them. They discussed them. And I think they should be doing the same with this. They should at least bring it up. They should at least discuss it, right? Uh, and, and they're not doing that. But you might also be pissed off because, you know, a way to maybe bring it up is how about doing some research, doing some investigating, if you're a reporter out there, right? Trying to maybe dig into this a little bit. Well, the New York Times, they did dig into this a little bit. And there's some interesting stuff that comes out of their digging. And I don't necessarily know that it has to do with Peyton Manning. Now, Derek Jeter's name gets involved here a little bit. And I still don't even necessarily know that it has to do with Derek Jeter. But the story that the New York Times did, I'm going to read you their last couple paragraphs uh, in, in, later on in the show. And that's the most interesting thing to me. There is a development from their digging that they found, that they give you at the end of their story in the New York Times, that... Is pretty interesting to me, and uh, I think that needs to be talked about as well. So I will talk about that. Uh, also, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class for 2016 will be revealed tonight on this Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock. I think most of my reaction to that will be tomorrow, but we'll go over a couple of the names. Uh, first ballot Hall of Fame is a couple of the names that could get some more votes this time around. Uh, I'll do that before I wrap up this show. And uh, also, the NHL All-Star rosters were announced. If you have any interest in that, at least locally, uh, there is one Bruins player that made it. I'll reveal that name at the end of the podcast as well. But this is a Wednesday, so again, I'm going to preview the upcoming week. Upcoming weekend in the NFL. Let's begin. And again, this is sort of a prediction special, right? So let's begin with the games on Saturday because there's two games on Saturday and they're both the AFC wildcard games. Uh, the first game is going to be at 4.30. It's Kansas City in Houston. Now the Texans win their division because their division's awful. Kansas City comes into the playoffs as one of the hotter teams in the playoffs. I mean, they're 11-5, and five, but they began the season 1-5, and five, which means that they enter the playoffs as a wildcard team, as the number five seed in the AFC, on a 10-game win streak. Now, they lost their best player. They lost Jamal Charles early in the season, and here they are still with a 10-game win streak. And the one thing that jumps out at you with Kansas City is that they just don't give the ball away. They just don't turn it over. And um, they're right up at the top of the league with teams like the Patriots, the Seahawks, and you know the Bengals, teams that just do not turn the ball over. And, um, you know, when you look, you could go over Kansas City's roster. You could go over some of the teams that they've beaten. But I don't think it's a fluke to win 10 straight games. If you win 10 straight games, you need to be taken seriously in this league. And here are the Chiefs entering the playoffs, having won 10 straight. They go to Houston, a Texans team that, in my opinion, is once again, their downfall is going to be that they don't have a quarterback. 
I have ranted about this many times before about Houston. The one issue that they have in that organization, look, they've always had a very good defense. The Houston Texans have always walked around, pounding their chest, priding themselves on their defensive performances. They have. And, you know, it's really not that much different this year with this Houston team. They have players, the ability to get to the quarterback. J.J. Watt is a lot more healthy now than he was a couple weeks ago. Um, So when you look at Houston and you look at, you know, their strong points, and you look at their downfall. They got a lot of positives on that team. They got one of the best receivers in football that make that can make plays in DeAndre Hopkins. But the bottom line is this. In the playoffs, you must have a quarterback that can make plays and win you games. And the one thing the Houston Texans have never had in a league in which they've had defenses that should be good enough to make serious playoff runs and get them to the Super Bowl They have not had a quarterback that can make those big plays, that can win them games. And if you're asking me if Brian Hoyer is that guy this year, I'm going to very quickly tell you no, he is not. Now, the good thing for Houston, they have a home game, all right? That's the good thing for the Houston Texans. But uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have already beaten the Texans this season. And I know, I know that was a while ago. I know that was week one in Houston. Kansas City won 27-20. And I know after that one win for Kansas City, they went on to lose five straight games, and they got up to a 1-5 and five start. And uh, it didn't look good for them. But here they are again, winning 10 straight. Uh, they, Kansas City has to go to Houston. But uh, real quick, when we, even when we talk about Kansas City, the teams that they've lost to, when they won that one game against Houston in week one, They lost five straight, but if you take a look at the teams that they lost to in those five games, they lost to Denver. They lost to Green Bay in Green Bay, by the way, and, you know, at that point in time of the season, Green Bay was looking like one of the best teams in the league early on. Like, Green Bay got off to a hot start this season, and we were putting them right there at the top of the power rankings week in and week out. Um... You know, until, of course, Green Bay started coming home and losing at home to teams like Detroit. Then they get knocked down in the power rankings a bit. But when Kansas City lost to Green Bay, Green Bay was one of the best teams in football. So Kansas City, after they beat Houston in week one, they lose to a very good Broncos team. They lose to, at the time, a very good Packers team in Green Bay. Then they went to Cincinnati, lost to the Bengals in Cincinnati. And as we know, a very good Bengals team. They lost to the Bears by one point at home. That's a questionable loss. You can't lose that game if you're Kansas City. But then they go to Minnesota, and they lose to a very good Vikings team, a playoff team. So even the teams that Kansas City lost to this year, early on when they were in that funk and began the season 1-5, of they lost to some very good teams, some dominant teams, some playoff teams in, in those first six games. The first, You know, the five that they lost in the first six. So... I'm telling you right now, Kansas City's body of work, the fact that you 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 factor in they lost their best player in Jamal Charles. Um, you know, they've added some guys in, like Chuck Kendrick West, who, who's picked up some of the slack. But I, I told you yesterday how I feel about Alex Smith. And when we get into the conversation of Alex Smith versus Brian Hoyer, you got to have a quarterback in this league. And I'm not saying that Alex Smith is a guy that, you know, if you line some of the best QBs up against the wall, like, a Tom Brady, or even an Aaron Rodgers type. Like, I'm not going to take Alex Smith over those guys. I'm not saying that. 
But Alex Smith, if you look at his resume and his body of work as a quarterback in the playoffs, he's won some games. I mean, he, the one win that jumps out to me was the game against New Orleans 2011, I think it was, you know, the year that the Giants-Patriots played again in the Super Bowl. The Giants only got to that Super Bowl because they the, the 49ers, when Alex Smith was the quarterback for the 49ers, 49ers in the NFC Championship, they fumbled two special teams kicks, two punts, I believe it was. Kyle Williams, I believe his name was. Alex Smith in the game before then against New Orleans, against Drew Brees, that was a shootout. Alex Smith, he battled, went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees. And Alex Smith, if you can remember, he was throwing touchdowns. He was running in touchdowns. He got the best of Drew Brees, and you can't ignore a win like that in the playoffs. So Alex Smith, he's won games in the playoffs, big games against good teams, against other teams, good quarterbacks. And um, when you look at the Houston Texans, Brian Hoyer, you know, he hasn't. What has Brian Hoyer done? Uh, there's no way that I could take Houston in this game, even though they're a home team, even though their defense is good. Look, the Texans have been to the playoffs with a good defense before. Uh, the one thing they have not had is a quarterback that can win them the big game. And if you're asking me to put my money on Brian Hoyer to all of a sudden be able to do that for this Houston organization, um, I'm, you know, I think you're nuts because I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to take the... Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. I'm taking Kansas City to win this game, to go into Houston and beat Houston. I think it could be a close game. I think it could be a low-scoring game. It could be 17-14. But uh, I'm taking Kansas City. I do think that the Chiefs uh, are a better football team than Houston. Uh, and I think if you're asking me then to pick a, pick the quarterback, I'm going to take Alex Smith over Brian Hoyer any day of the week. Kansas City, I'm going to take to beat the Texans in the wild card round. Then later Saturday night, you got the Bengals and the Steelers. This one in Cincinnati. We're, we're waiting to see who the quarterback's going to be for Cincinnati, but I'm telling you right now, even though Dalton got the cast off his hand, I still think it's A.J. McCarron. And the, look, these two teams have already faced each other twice this season. They each got the best of each other both times the road team won, um, and both times a Pro Bowl caliber player went down with an injury. The first time they played, Le'Veon Bell went down with an injury. The second time they played, uh, Andy Dalton went down with an injury. So these two teams, they, they're going to beat each other up. And um, w- when I look at Cincinnati, if Andy Dalton doesn't play, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this game as if Andy Dalton is not playing. I think A.J. McCarron's going to play. Well, you look back at what A.J. McCarron said. Look, he came in to this season against Pittsburgh, right? The second time these two teams played. Now, Pittsburgh won that game. But McCarron threw a couple nice deep balls in that one. And Cincinnati was clearly not scared to let him throw the football. Now, what McCarron needs to do in this game is he can't have any interceptions like he had in that one. Remember, he threw it over to the left. It was just one of the worst decisions and passes I've ever seen. But if you look at A.J. McCarron this season, in seven games, six touchdown passes, two interceptions, um, I think if Cincinnati, if A.J. McCarron cannot turn the ball over, if he doesn't turn the ball over, I still think Cincinnati is going to win this game. I do. And I'm actually going to, that's where I'm going. I think the Bengals are going to beat the Steelers in this one. Uh, remember when A.J. McCarron, when he came in, after that game against Pittsburgh, right? He said he was asked, you know, 
what do you? How about you as a starter? You know, when when Andy Dalton comes back, you think he can go on a run? I mean, AJ McCarron, pretty confident in his own abilities, said to the media, he said, "Well, look, Tom Brady was in a situation, was in a similar situation. Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Tom Brady came in. Look at look at what happened with his career. Now, I don't think Andy Dalton wanted to hear him say that, but uh, because Andy Dalton obviously wants his job back. But let's face it, you know, let's be honest." If Andy Dalton was the quarterback for the Bengals, what would really change right now? What has Andy Dalton proved in the playoffs? Just as much as A.J. McCarron has proved. And I think A.J. McCarron knows that. And A.J. McCarron seems like a confident kid. Uh, We know he can throw the football. At least I've seen him be able to throw the football. If he can limit his mistakes, and when I say mistakes, I mean turnovers in this game, if he does not turn the ball over, and... I actually think Cincinnati's going to give him a pretty good game plan to the point where the weapons that he has around him, he's not going to turn the ball over. I think Cincinnati, because this is a home game, I think they are going to beat Pittsburgh. Now, I think it's going to be close. I think Pittsburgh's going to put up a fight. But I just cannot get over the fact that Pittsburgh, two weeks ago, in what was a playoff game, a must-win game for them, they needed to beat one of the worst teams in football, and they could not do that. Ryan Mallett beat the Steelers. If Ryan Mallett can beat the Steelers, A.J. McCarron can beat the Steelers. And um, if, if, if Ryan Mallett can throw on the Steelers' defense, A.J. McCarron can do that as well. So, I mean, Cincinnati, I love their defense at the same time. I think because they're at home, A.J. McCarron, I mean, I think we're going to be in a situation in two weeks where the Bengals... A- Uh, coming to Gillette, because if the Bengals win this game, they're coming to New England. I think we're going to be in a situation where the Bengals, internally, are going to have a QB controversy. They're going to have one. If A.J. McCarron beats the Steelers on Saturday night, you're going to go back to Andy Dalton? I I mean, I I know what you're saying. Andy Dalton, he puts up numbers. He's, you know, he, and, and he's been the guy to take this team uh, in regular seasons and, and help them win the division. But, man, uh, A.J. McCarron, if he's playing with confidence, if he's not turning the ball over, if he makes a couple big throws in this game, maybe the organization starts to believe in what McCarron believed in when he came out a couple weeks ago, six, seven weeks ago, and said, hey, here I am. I'm getting an opportunity. Remember the last guy to get an opportunity like this or somebody in NFL history that was able to do it, take it, and run with it? Tom Brady. You know, we all kind of rolled our eyes at that. Well, I got news for you. If A.J. McCarron can beat the Steelers in a playoff game, I think Cincinnati is going to have to keep rolling with him. I really do. I think you got to keep him out there. So um, it's going to be interesting, and I think it's going to be interesting because I think A.J. McCarron is going to win the Bengals a playoff game here at home against Pittsburgh on Saturday night. So uh, that's what we get Saturday, and that's what the AFC wildcard round is going to look like. Um, I'm going to stick with the AFC to begin these predictions. So we'll skip to the divisional round, and if the Bengals win, that means they automatically go to New England. They come here. They come to New England to take on the Patriots, and um, it's at that point where it doesn't matter, in my opinion, who Cincinnati's going to put under center. They're not going to beat New England. They're not going to beat the Patriots. The Patriots are going to get Edelman back. Uh, I expect them to have Chandler Jones back, Hightower back. 
I expect them to also get somebody like Volma back on that offensive line. And I expect the Patriots, with a week off, even though Tom Brady is a little banged up with that right ankle sprain, I expect him to wrap that thing up nice and tight and be good enough to win this game over the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round. It's at Gillette Stadium. Uh, the one thing I, I, my biggest concern is the offensive line for the Patriots. But as I told you yesterday, and as I continue to, to stress with, with any offensive line, especially an organization that is proven to fix offensive line issues, you go back to last year, after the first four games, the offensive line looked as bad as it could possibly look. The Patriots fixed that the very next week. They came home. They played who? The Cincinnati Bengals, and they whooped them in that game. So uh, it that'll be an interesting matchup and an interesting comparison that you know will get brought up during the week leading into the divisional round game between the Patriots and the Bengals. And uh, I, I think the Patriots will beat the Bengals in that one at Gillette Stadium. And Tom Brady and this offense with a weapon like Edelman back on the field it opens some things up for Gronk at the same time, and uh, I think James White will be a major player in that game. The Patriots will once again have people wondering, is this the toughest team to beat in the AFC, even if they have to go on the road for the AFC championship? Uh, so I think the Patriots will beat the Bengals in the divisional round. Then you're going to have the Broncos playing the Chiefs, because I think, as I told you, the Chiefs are going to beat Houston. The Broncos, the one seed, hosting the five seed Kansas City Chiefs. Peyton Manning is going to be the quarterback for Denver. If you think you shouldn't, then you weren't paying attention to the San Diego game. And I know, we all like to knock the idea that, you know, this... All right, they didn't mention the HGH story. And Phil Simms was just giving compliments to Peyton Manning so much that it made us all sick to our stomach. I get that. If you mute the TV, all right? And you actually saw and witnessed what Peyton Manning was able to do in that game. I get it he wasn't throwing the football every play and making big, deep plays down the field. But what he did do was he read the defense a whole lot better than Brock Osweiler did. And that does a couple things. One, it opens up your offense to be a little bit more successful when you can read a blitz, change the play, whether it's change the side that you're running to or change it from a pass play to a run play, Peyton Manning's able to do that. He was able to do that against San Diego, something that Osweiler was not doing, and they were turning the ball over because of it, and San Diego was all over them. Peyton came in, even though he wasn't throwing the football, he absolutely changed that game. He changed the plays, and the other thing it does is, when you're doing that successfully, you're giving everybody in front of you a whole lot of confidence, and it's a confidence thing. And I think the Broncos' offense with Peyton under center, having confidence in him, in his ability to be able to change the play and do some positive things for the offense, even if he's not throwing the football well, that makes them feel good about what they're doing offensively, and you don't need them to do anything else to feel good about themselves defensively because Denver's one of the best defensive teams in the game. And again, Peyton Manning is very good in his career against Kansas City and has been very good against Kansas City since going to Denver, since going to that division in the AFC West. I expect the Broncos at home to be able to beat the Chiefs and to be able to beat Kansas City and move on to the AFC Championship, a game they will now host uh, because the Patriots lost to the Dolphins last week. So uh, the Broncos, AFC Championship, 
Patriots, I told you already, I've sort of teased this. I think it's inevitable. I think we're going to see it. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, one last time. This one's going to be in Denver. We know what happened the last time the Patriots went to Denver um, in the, the conference championship. And, uh, you know, I, I, you you want that game at home, but that doesn't mean I, I think the Patriots are automatically going to lose because they have to go to Denver. In fact, I'm picking the Patriots to win. Uh, the, you know, the last time in the regular season the Patriots went to Denver was a couple weeks ago. And Gronk got hurt. The officials made some terrible calls. You had a couple of terrible special teams plays. One, a turnover. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare, that game. Peyton Manning didn't play. Um, but Osweiler, give the kid credit in that one. He made some big plays down the field to his big-name receivers. And, you know, I, I think when you go on the road and you go to Denver, it's going to be loud for you. It's going to be loud for Tom Brady. And Denver's defense is very good. But at the end of the day, whenever it's Peyton Manning versus the Patriots, to me, it's Peyton Manning versus Bill Belichick. And when I go back and watch some of these matchups, you know, Bill Belichick is always able to do something to get to Peyton Manning. Because if you, you know, if there's a game plan, you want a game plan against Peyton Manning, this would be it. Make him get the happy feet. You know, make him look back and forth, dancing around in the pocket, moving those feet. It, you know what I'm talking about. It's turnover waiting to happen. And Bill Belichick is the best, in my opinion, at disguising the blitz against Peyton Manning, uh, creating confusion to the point where I've made up my own term on what Bill Belichick's game plan is with Peyton Manning. D- disguise the blitz, create confusion, disguising. That's what it is. That's Bill Belichick's game plan. He's going to have it again this year in the AFC Championship, whether it's Hightower, Jamie Collins, busting up the A-gap on the Blitz, whether they're they're telling him they're going to do it and do it, whether they're sitting back in coverage and then they come up a little late, whether they both look like they're coming up and only one blitzes and one stays back, they're going to do some things uh, to get to Peyton Manning, to confuse him, to make it look like you got a cornerback coming up on a blitz, dropping back in a coverage, and a linebacker comes in. Believe me, Belichick's got something up his sleeve. And if you're asking me, Peyton Manning versus the Patriots, which is Peyton Manning versus Bill Belichick, I'm going to give the edge to Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, and the boys. The Patriots will go into Denver, and they will win the AFC Championship and go on to Super Bowl 50. The question is, who will they play? Well, let's go to the NFC. We got the two wild card games on Saturday night. Seattle, they go to Minnesota. The Seahawks, the sixth seed, they go to the division, the NFC North Division champ, Minnesota Vikings. I've been very high on the Vikings all year long, but these two teams just played each other not too long ago. And if you remember that game, it was the game in which, of course, the Seahawks won. But Adrian Peterson, running back for the Vikings, called out his coach after. He said, we were outcoached in this game. And I agreed with him. You know, I don't agree with the, the forum that he used to express uh, that feeling because, you know, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to understand that, you know, you did not coach that game well if you're Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings. When you only give an Adrian Peterson, your best player, eight carries. Peterson, when you give him less than 20 carries, in my opinion, that's a bad game plan. He P- Peterson only got eight carries in that game against the Seahawks. 
uh, it cost them. The Seahawks won the game, and Peterson spoke out after said they got out coached. They did. It was just an awful game plan. Now I expect them to fix that. I expect them to give Peterson the ball a little bit more than eight times. In fact, a whole lot more than eight times in this game, this time around. But the question now is, how healthy is Adrian Peterson? He's been banged up now a couple weeks. I think last week it was the back. A couple weeks before that, it was the ankle. Uh, Peterson is banged up at this point of the season, and the Vikings have relied on him a whole heck of a lot. And and at times, he's taken the team on his back. The Seahawks, to me, uh, they're just they're too good for this Vikings team. And I think Seattle, with their defense, that's one of the tops in the league now. And... You know, Russell Wilson, who's been playing some fantastic football, they have the swagger, they have the confidence, and uh, they it looks like they're going to be getting Marshawn Lynch back at the same time. So I'm going to expect the Seahawks to win this game, to go into Minnesota and win it. Uh, Seattle, the sixth seed, which means they will go to Carolina for the divisional round, but the Seahawks will beat Minnesota on Sunday, I, I think I said Saturday a few minutes ago, but the, the NFC games are on Sunday. Uh, the first one's at 1 o'clock, which is weird that it's 1 o'clock on NBC, right? I thought NBC would get the Saturday night game. They're going to get the Sunday afternoon game, Seattle in Minnesota, but uh, I'm taking the Seahawks to win it, regardless of where it's played, uh, regardless of what channel it's on, what day it is, what time it's at. It's Sunday at 1 Seattle will win. Dan, you got Sunday at 4.30. You got the Redskins and the Packers. Washington, a home game because they win their division. Green Bay, they lose in Week 17 to Minnesota, so they don't win their division. Green Bay's a wild card. They are the five seed. The Packers have been playing some bad football. They're almost limping into this thing. And, um, you know, I, I think Washington's going to win. I do. I think the Redskins are going to win this game. And really, the only reason is the way Jordan Reed, the tight end for Washington, has has been playing. I mean, he's a dominant tight end. He's a dominant receiver. Kirk Cousins loves going to him. And Cousins is putting up big numbers. He's making the big plays. I told you, you need a quarterback in this league. And as I watch Aaron Rodgers lately, it's even... Look, Aaron Rodgers has the ability with his legs, to create extra time for himself, to run out of the pocket, create extra time to make big plays. But he's created extra time for himself, and he just hasn't been able to make big plays. I guess I just don't buy into his receiving core. Uh, when, you know, the, the fact that they do not have Jordy Nelson is really hurting Aaron Rodgers' passing game. And the fact that you got a running back in Eddie Lacy, who seems to be overweight, He's as inconsistent as you could ever be as a running back in this league. So you cannot rely on Eddie Lacy to give you a big game in this one, even though he probably should. But it's in Washington. I think the fan base there is going to be out of their minds. And uh, I think they're jacked up because they got a quarterback that's giving them hope. And if the Redskins defense can do anything to be able to slow down Aaron Rodgers, which is not an impossible task this season, I'm telling you right now, the Redskins, because it's a home game, and they have a quarterback that's been making big plays, I think Washington wins it. I'm going to take the Redskins in this one to beat the Packers on Sunday at 4.30 in D.C. The Redskins will move on. So when you get to the divisional round, because the Seahawks are the sixth seed, they automatically go to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Now, the Panthers have already beaten the Seahawks this season. In fact, they went into Seattle 
and beat the Seahawks. Cam Newton, he's your MVP. There's no question about it. Um, when you look back at that Panthers-Seahawks game in Seattle, I mean, going into Seattle and winning on its own merit is a huge accomplishment. And it's a co- I can remember that game. It was that point in time where I said to, to you and myself on this show, we now have to start taking Carolina seriously. Like, they are championship contenders. When you can go into Seattle and win, it's a huge accomplishment. And in that game, Cam Newton didn't have one of his best games. He threw two interceptions. He only threw one touchdown. Now, he helped himself out with his legs. He ran another touchdown in. And when you look at Seattle, Jimmy Graham had a huge game. I think 140 yards receiving. And, uh, you know, he didn't have many games like that this year for the Seahawks. So, it really, Carolina goes into Seattle, and Carolina wins. And it, it wasn't one of Carolina's best games. It wasn't even close. So, when you can say that Carolina beat Seattle and Carolina wasn't even at its best or anywhere close, in Seattle, uh, you got to think it comes to Carolina. S- Carolina gets a-, a week off here with a bye. Seattle's feeling good about themselves, sure. They're looking good, sure. But I just think the Panthers, it's going to be too much for Seattle uh, to overcome combined with their defense. And you got to expect Cam Newton's going to have a better game than he did in the game that the Panthers beat the Seahawks in the regular season in Seattle. And if he can do that, Carolina at home will win and go on to the NFC Championship. So that's how I'm going to predict that. Uh, Then you're going to get the Cardinals hosting the Redskins. Cardinals, the two seed, they also get a first round bye. Uh, yeah, it didn't look good against Seattle in that first half uh, in Week 17, but I'm not going to judge Arizona on one game. Uh, before that, they were one of the hottest teams in football. I think they still will be. I think they'll regroup. They'll be taking on a Redskins team that really doesn't match up very well with Arizona in any aspect of the game. Uh, I'd take Carson Palmer over Kirk Cousins. I would take David Johnson in the way he's been running and receiving the ball out of the backfield over anybody that's in Washington's backfield. Um, I would take the Cardinals' defense over the Redskins' defense any day of the week. I'd take Arizona's pass rush, Arizona's secondary. Everything that Arizona has, I would take it over the Redskins. So I'm going to pick Arizona in this game. And in fact, I don't even know that this one is going to be close. The Cardinals will go to the NFC Championship, and it'll be the one versus the two in both conferences, the Panthers versus the Cardinals in Carolina in the NFC Championship. And uh, I think the difference here, I think it's going to be home field. Home field is huge in this one, I think. I think it could be a high-scoring affair. But I'm going to tell you right now that if this is the NFC Championship and I have to pick between Cam Newton or Carson Palmer, and the defense that Carolina has, man, it's, it's going to be such a good game. I'm actually hoping this is the NFC Championship. I just, I'm going to take Carolina in this one. If, if for nothing else, the, the fact that I really do buy into the fact Cam Newton is someone that is changing the game, that the team is just, they bought into him. They've bought into relying on him to win them ball games. And I think if he has an opportunity late in this one at home, against the Arizona Cardinals. I think Cam Newton will be able to pull it out, and the Panthers will go to the Super Bowl, and they will take on the New England Patriots, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50. 
will be the Patriots and the Panthers. And um, my Super Bowl 50 champ, I know what you're going to say. Danny, you're a homer. You're from New England. You're from Boston. You're picking the Patriots to win the Super Bowl again? Yes, I'm picking the Patriots to win the Super Bowl again. I told you, I think if they win two playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, that means a couple things have happened for the Patriots. First and foremost, that means their offensive line has improved and they're protecting Tom Brady better. Uh, Two, I think that they get Julian Edelman back. Not just back, not just to be a decoy, but to be a force. To be a force on third down, to be a force moving the chains. And if he's moving the chains, you got number three here. Open some things up for Rob Gronkowski. And I also think that Steven Jackson's presence on this team, picking up some maybe second and shorts, giving them some third and manageables, moving the chains maybe a couple times on a third and one if they need to, getting one down into the goal line, forcing one into the end zone. I, I And James White out of the backfield, the defense, the pass rush with Chandler Jones coming back, all those things. If the Patriots get them all going. And firing on all cylinders. I think they're the toughest team to beat in football. So, uh, and, and you add all that to the fact, all right, sure, Tom Brady's hurting right now, all right? And I had a conversation today, and I, it was something I mentioned on yesterday's show. I come into Beantown, and uh, someone who works here, John Costas, we, we were going back and forth because he said, well, I disagree with you on, on, on the whole which foot would you rather Brady have injured if he needed to injure a foot or an ankle? And I said, I'd rather have it be the back foot, the right foot, because I talked about, you know, you plant with the front foot as you move forward. And he said, well, if you really think about it, you're putting pressure on the back foot as you sort of push off the back foot. And I go, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, and I get it. But I just, when Tom Brady steps up, When he's at his best, he drops back into the pocket. He steps up into the pocket and steps into a throw. And I know it's also pushing off the back foot. And it might be even a stupid argument to have because in a perfect world, you don't want either of his ankles banged up. But this is just a personal preference. I feel like if if my ankles were hurting and I had a sprain on an ankle and I threw my right hand, I do feel like I would want... I would want the injury on my right ankle and not my left. I do. Maybe it's a personal preference. Who knows? But that's how I feel about it. And um, I actually, if you follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard, I just tweeted something out a few minutes ago. uh, Trey Wingo tweeted something out because Tom Brady today in a press conference, he was asked about the ankle. And he said, you know, you know, my ankle feels good. You know, it feels fine right now. And Trey Wingo, ESPN, of course, he was the guy that sat next to Mark Brunel as Mark Brunel, you know, cried on national TV after Tom Brady's Deflategate press conference last January, uh, four days after the AFC championship, and said he didn't believe Tom Brady, even though there was no evidence uh, to make him, you know, n- not believe him. Uh, that This Trey Wingo, he tweeted out, he said, what did, you, what did you want Tom Brady to say? His ankle was sore? What did you expect him to say? So I kind of subtweeted it, and I added above. I said, what did you expect Peyton Manning to say? That he used HGH? You know? So it goes both ways there, Wing, Wingo, right? It goes both ways, Trey. What, which way do you want it? Honestly, which way do you want it? So you got to ask the question. How's your ankle feeling? They got to ask it. 
What do you want to have a press conference and not ask it? I'd rather have somebody in there asking about Brady's ankle, knowing the answer you're going to get, than somebody showing up asking him about Donald Trump or asking him about deflated footballs or asking him if he's taking a look at the Peyton Manning HGH report. No, please, you ask about the ankle and Trey Wingo's marking it. Trey Wingo, I ask you, what'd you expect Peyton Manning to say? What do you expect him to say about HGH, right? You, You expect him to say that he used it? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, Tommy Curran, Comcast Sportsnet, it, it was perfect. Uh, he, he subtweeted the same thing, and this is how I saw it. He said, you know, where was this skepticism last week? Now, I don't know that, I don't actually know that Tom was implying a, a, the whole Peyton Manning stuff, and they don't want to talk about it, and they obviously very quickly ruled it out and believed Peyton Manning, what he had to say. Uh, but but I think that's what he meant. But um, that's put it this way. Whatever they mean, that's what I mean. You know, Trey Wingo, which way do you want it? Uh, but, it, you know, I get fired up. And I got the, the, there's another link here, Peyton Manning, HGH, or maybe not Peyton Manning, but the HGH and the Gaia Clinic and Charlie Sly. It's, a, a, stuff's coming out. People are digging. I got a story for you. Stick around. Stick around. But, uh, Tom Brady today, you know, he talked about the ankle and, um, he had a great quote said, quote, I didn't come this far to only come this far, end quote. It got me a little fight up. Got me a little fight up as we get set for playoff football and we look at playoff football and if you expect the Patriots to go as far as I expect them to go, even with this ankle injury, I think Brady's going to be fine. Whichever ankle that you think would be the best ankle for him to have injured if he needed to injure one, Whatever. I think it's a personal preference. But, uh, you know, if the Patriots get to the Super Bowl, all those things that I just said need to happen. And if those things are happening, they're the toughest team to beat. And that's why I don't think Carolina will beat them. And the Patriots are Super Bowl 50 champions. And I just can't wait for the moment in which Roger Goodell has to hand Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft that Lombardi trophy up on that podium in San Francisco for Super Bowl 50. Such a big event. They painted the 50-yard lines in gold uh, in in most stadiums around the league uh, because it's the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady's going to be the guy that's going to be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in the 50th edition of the Super Bowl, and it's going to be beautiful. Patriots over the Carolina Panthers in Super Bowl 50. So there you have it. There is my playoff preview. Um, on Friday, I will make my picks, 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 five games with the spread every Friday only. Uh, I will look at the wild card round and tell you since there's only four games, I will pick all four games with the spread. So make sure you tune in then. Uh, also, if you missed, I got to remind you before I get into some of this other stuff, if you missed yesterday's podcast, Please go listen, especially if you're a Red Sox fan, because I had Boston Red Sox Senior Vice President and General Manager Mike Hazen on the show, and I had him on for over 20 minutes, over 20 minutes, and he was great. Honestly, I've had a lot of guests on this show, uh, a lot of special guests, athletes, uh, you, you know, front office types, you know, big name media members, national, local, you name it. Uh, I've had rappers, I've had actors, I've had comedians, a lot of major guests on this show, in studio, over the phone, over the years. And uh, honestly, the 
the best interview, when you combine the status of the person with the quality of the interview that that person gives, Mike Hazen being the GM of the Boston Red Sox, with the quality of the interview that he gave yesterday was uh, was awesome. I, it honestly, might be my the favorite interview I've ever done. Now, Sam Kennedy is right up there, right? Red Sox president who was in studio last April, I believe. Uh, he he stayed in here with me and shot the shit for an hour. Mike Hazen, we did it over the phone for over twenty minutes. But um, Sam Kennedy was great too. But there's so many questions that I have as somebody who always sits here and puts my GM cap on, you know, and and I put myself in the shoes of a GM around professional sports. I mean, that's what we do basically for a living. We sit here behind a mic, and we sit here and, and, you know, discuss some of these issues, free agent signings, trades, you name it. We put ourselves in the shoes of a GM. So I had so many questions for him, so many things to say, and we covered an awful lot with regards to the Red Sox offseason and some of the updates that he had on some of the guys that were looking forward to producing in 2016 here in Boston. And, and it, you know, we were listening to it here in Beantown Athletics uh, later on yesterday, and I tweeted out some things yesterday. And I just, it was one of the, one of my favorite interviews that, that I've ever had been able to do, uh, I've had the pleasure of doing. And, um, you know, I'm honored that he would come on the show. So go back, listen to that, especially if you're a Red Sox fan. So uh, here we are on a Wednesday, January 6th, playoff football right around the corner in just a couple days. But we still, at least I, still have my eye on an NFL story, really a, a, a sports story. Is it a scandal? I don't know. Do you talk about performance enhancing drugs and use the word scandal there anymore? I don't really know that I do. But it's still a story. It's still interesting. And when Al Jazeera came out with this report a couple weeks ago about professional athletes that were linked to the Gaia Clinic and how the Gaia Clinic was linked to PEDs like HGH and sending them to professional athletes, and Peyton Manning attended this clinic in 2011, uh, you know, with his wife, when Peyton was trying to recover from neck surgery, and then HGH shipments sent to Peyton's house under his wife's name, all of that stuff linked. It's a story. People have ignored it. I've expressed my frustration with people ignoring it. But, uh, you know, I, I qu- also question, where's the digging from some other people? Where's the reporting? Where's the people that don't believe it that maybe want to prove it wrong? Why haven't they proven it wrong yet? Well, instead of proving it wrong, the New York Times did a little digging of their own. And while they don't link Peyton Manning to any of this stuff, they take the guy that accused Peyton Manning and they link him to a trainer in Florida. The trainer's name is Jason Riley. He is a fitness trainer. Uh, When you look at this guy, Jason Riley, he has been called baseball's MVP of the post-steroids era by Men's Fitness Magazine. Again, Men's Fitness Magazine, they called this guy, this trainer, Jason Riley, quote, baseball's MVP of the post-steroids era, and and quote. That's what they called him. Now, Jason Riley's most famous client, as they point out here in the New York Times piece, is Derek Jeter. And they, they make it very clear 
they are not accusing Derek Jeter of using any type of performance-enhancing drug. They're not doing it. They just are pointing out the obvious that Derek Jeter is linked to this trainer. And they go on in this piece, and they also say that what's interesting about it and why they're bringing it up is that when they went digging after this Al Jazeera report, they went digging about the Gaia Clinic. They went digging about this guy, Charlie Sly, who's the one that, you know, opened up this whole thing by naming all these athletes that went to the Gaia Clinic and that was sent uh, performance-enhancing drugs and were linked. Uh, Charlie Sly, it turns out, is a business partner with Jason Riley. So they saw that connection. So they went digging on Jason Riley once they found that he was connected with Charlie Sly. And again, the relationship with Riley and Sly is... Riley is a business partner with Charlie Sly. In fact, they're so close that when Sly applied for a pharmacist license in Florida, he used Riley's home address, okay? And in fact, when I say business partner, here's how they're business partners. Riley and Sly founded Elements Nutrition. Elements with a Z. Let me say that for you again. Riley and Sly are the founders of a company that is called Elements Nutrition, and that's Elements with a Z. The website and the Facebook for Elements Nutrition features many of the athletes that were in and named in the Al Jazeera report that were named by Charlie Sly. Ryan Howard, Mike Neal of the Green Bay Packers, Dustin Keller, uh, those guys are on this website. Now, The New York Times made it clear, not all in the Al Jazeera report have been linked to to Jason Riley and Elements Nutrition. That's where they sort of get away from the Peyton Manning stuff and say, okay, this isn't really about Peyton Manning, but since we went digging on Charlie Sly, we found this trainer, Jason Riley, we found that he was connected with Charlie Sly, and they both founded Elements Nutrition, and they're business partners with this, and... Jason Riley, who's been called baseball's MVP of the post-steroids era, he's got some major clients, and a lot of his clients are some players that were named in this Al Jazeera report. And they've go to they go to Elements Nutrition to the point where they these guys are on the website, featured on the Facebook page, and um New York Times gets this, and they say they try to reach out to everybody. Riley, Sly, Jeta's people. Um, you know, some of the players who are now suing Al Jazeera, right? Nobody got back to him. All in the process. All in the process. Elements Nutrition, or what? The website, Facebook, they they took down some of these players from the website. And um, you know, I, I think what they make very clear in this story is that they are not accusing any of these players, or even, they're not even accusing Jason Riley of uh, of any funny business, of giving these guys PEDs, right? They're not. But they're digging. And as they dig and they write this story, they end the report, they end the story with what I think is the best line and the best part of the whole thing, which automatically makes someone like myself think, okay, even though they're not accusing these, this trainer of dishing out PEDs. They're not accusing anybody that was involved in Elements Nutrition. They're not, they're not accusing any of these pro athletes of using PEDs that may or may not have been given to them by, by this trainer. They're not accusing anybody of any funny business. 
but if there's no funny business, then why would they be able to write this in the report? Let me read it to you. Let me read it. Well, the first, the last couple of paragraphs goes into Sly how um, basically he's he's involved in doping. That's what they say about Charlie Sly. That's some of the research they've done on him overseas, right? His network extends from Germany, Switzerland to British Columbia. Um, you know, it, it, it then goes into the second to last paragraph in which it says, and I'm, this is why I'm going to read it to you. This is how it ends. Quote, the Al Jazeera documentary was only the latest report to reveal sports doping as a spider's web that stretches across continents and oceans. You wonder if the pro league chieftains, Rob Manfred in baseball and Roger Goodell in the NFL have paid any attention and have the stomach to pursue these strands. They might want to hurry. Last week, Elements Nutrition voluntarily dissolved and closed its doors. End quote. Now, I I say quote because I'm quoting from the story. But, I mean, let me read that last paragraph to you again. Basically, they say, you wonder if Major League Baseball and the NFL is going to investigate or is going to dig into this or if they even want to. Right? Last paragraph. They might want to hurry because last week, Elements Nutrition voluntarily dissolved and closed its doors. (laughs) Wow. I mean, they go in all this stuff. This kid, this guy, Jason Riley, trainer, business partner with Charlie Sly. They both founded Elements Nutrition. Okay? They are clearly linked to these players. They had them featured on the Facebook, on the website. They took some of those players down when this report stuff came out. And it looks like maybe they're being investigated, being contacted by New York Times. Or maybe they saw all this coming out. What did they do? How did they react? They voluntarily closed the doors and shut the place down? I mean, all of a sudden they just wipe off of the face of the earth? Elements Nutrition? Why would that happen? Why are they doing that? So, look, this story doesn't come out and accuse these players of doing anything shady, but then the way they end it, Major League Baseball and the NFL, if they want to investigate this with some of their players being linked to doping and people that have been involved in doping, it goes back to the Gaia Clinic. If they want to investigate... They might want to hurry up and do so. Because last week, Elements Nutrition, founded by Jason Riley and Charlie Sly, which was the place that some of these MLB and NFL players were going to, Elements Nutrition last week voluntarily dissolved and closed its doors. (laughs) I mean... You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be involved in doping, in stem cells, in pig brain peptide, in um, any type of chemistry that it takes to create some type of PED that may or may not go undetected or something that's going to be some type of steroid or HGH. You don't need to be a scientist. 
to understand that it's shady as fuck to decide to close the doors and just dissolve a company in the week following this report from Al Jazeera and people trying to investigate and people, even if they're just accusing and if they're falsely accusing, if you got nothing to hide, what are you closing your doors for? If, if, I'm, a, if I'm Jason Riley, if I'm Charlie Sly, if I'm a founder at Elements Nutrition, if I'm working with pro athletes that are being accused, and forget about pro athletes being accused, because if I'm Riley and Sly, I'm being accused as well of dishing out this stuff to them. And if I'm being accused of falsely dishing out this stuff to them, guess what I'm going to do? I'm leaving my doors wide open. You come on in. You got to investigate? Investigate. We're doing push-ups. We're doing sit-ups. We're doing CrossFit. We're drinking protein shakes. We got fruits. We got vegetables. We got uh, dumbbells. We got, uh, you know, we're benching. We're doing pull-ups. We're running on the treadmill, riding the bike. We're doing squats. Come on into Elements Nutrition. We got, I got nothing to hide. If these guys are doing shit, they're not getting it from me. They must be getting it from that Gaia clinic. They're not getting that shit from me. I got nothing to hide. Well, apparently the boys at Elements Nutrition got a whole lot to hide if last week they just decide to voluntarily dissolve and close its doors. That's shady. Okay? And, uh, again, I know we don't have evidence. But in this day and age that we live in, where we've seen these stories so many times now, and it's almost like every time we see it, uh, it turns out the things that we assumed were true. And the things, what it looked like, perception, that they're closing down this place because they have a whole lot of shit to hide, is actually reality. They do have a whole lot of shit to hide, so that's why they're closing. Most of the time, that's the way this has worked. So uh, when I told you that this story, now now we might be getting away from the Peyton Manning thing, or maybe we're not. At the end of the day, Charlie Sly is still connected to the Gaia Clinic, which is still connected to Peyton Manning. Uh, somebody tweeted out yesterday, and uh, I think it was Michael Hurley, CBS, who, who's, who does a great job over there and is a friend of mine, and uh, he tweeted something out, and, and I'm with him on it. I mean, we're on the same page with regards to being fired up about how the national media has, national sports media has ignored the Al Jazeera Peyton Manning story, right? How ESPN has ignored it. We're, we're both on the same page. And, um, you know, he said something about, you know, packages sent to Ashley Manning. And, I, you know, I clarified how I thought with a tweet to him. I said, look, I don't even need the part where the packages were sent to, for this to be a story. The only thing I would need to hear for this to be a story is that Peyton Manning was connected to a clinic that was dealing PEDs to pro athletes. So, I mean, and they've already been caught in lies with the, the timeline in which Charlie Sly worked at the Gaia Clinic. They've already been caught in that lie. So, uh, it's... I tell you what, the New York Times piece, it, it kind of gets away from Peyton Manning, but it's all in the same family tree. And I think eventually... Look, if they're, tr- if they're hiding stuff at Elements Nutrition, this will find its way back to Peyton Manning. There's no question about it. We're not done with this. And if ESPN thinks this is going away, they got another thing coming. So they might want to uh, come up with a new strategy as to how they're going to handle this story. 
Well, all of a sudden, one day, you're going to turn on ESPN, they're going to be like, oh, well, we got a story here that all of a sudden is news, and everybody's going to look at them and shake their head and go, no, this isn't just news now. This has been a new, This has been news for a while, and you all dropped the ball. And it's embarrassing that you did so. You know, they, look, there's some... There's a lot of sports and anchors that I that I like that I think are great people that that do a great job, and this my our thoughts on this doesn't reflect on all of them. It doesn't. I mean, but but there are people that call the shots that obviously do not want this to be a story there. And in other national, it's not just ESPN. It's Jim Nance, CBS, Bob Costas, NBC Sports. I mean, you name it, they don't want this to be a story. I think New York Times, with a little bit of digging, just a little bit of digging, to make the connection between Sly, this kid Jason Riley, the pro athletes that were named in the Al Jazeera report, the fact that Sly and Riley founded the Elements Nutrition business, and then last week they just closed its doors? Huh. You telling me this isn't a story? This is what you call in the business? This isn't just a story. This is a motherfucking story, okay? <laughs> and uh, I'll keep an eye on it because of that. So, another thing that I'll keep an eye on is Major League Baseball. Speaking of PEDUs, uh, it just so happens that the 2016 Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class is going to be revealed tonight at 6 o'clock on this Wednesday night. Now, by the time you listen to this podcast, you might already know the names. All right, that, that were... a Elected, elected in the Hall of Fame. Now, first time uh, on the ballot, you got Ken Griffey first time, Jim Edmonds. Uh, I'm trying to go up and down the list here just to name a few. Um, you know, look, those are two of the guys. You got about 10, 12 guys first time on the ballot. I think Ken Griffey will probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Uh, you got some guys that have been getting votes, like Mike Piazza will get in probably, I think. Jeff Bagwell will probably get in. You might see Tim Raines get in. Uh, the, the questions will be, what will the percentages be for Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds? I think when we look at those guys, you say to yourself, well, they had great careers before the timeline that linked them, before the timeline began that linked them to PED use, right? And we can get into it tomorrow because I want to see the results before I really get into the whole Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Hall of Fame thing. But let's see who gets in. But if I had to put my money down on who gets in, I think Griffey gets in. I think Piazza gets in. And I think Bagwell gets in. I'm on the, I, Maybe Reigns. We might only see three. Might only see three. And uh, it, it, whatever happens, though, I will react tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast. We'll talk about uh, the Hall of Fame voting and who gets in, who will be inducted into the 2016 Baseball Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, that's where we stand on that. And I guess any other... Well, we do get another baseball story. Alex Gordon returning to the Royals. Four years, $72 million deal. That's $18 million per year. So that takes uh, an outfielder off of the free agent market. And then, as I mentioned and as I teased, the NHL... Have the, the NHL's announced the All Star Game rosters? It's a three on three tournament format. Uh, four divisions. You know, you're going three on three. Patrice Bergeron is the only Boston Bruin that's on this team, and you know, I'm not shocked by that. I'm really not. Yeah, he's the only All Star. He should be there. It's a, a well deserved 
um, award for him to, to be named to another All-Star team. So Patrice Bergeron, he is the only All-Star for the Boston Bruins. And uh, good for him. And it's a good selection when you look around the NHL and the guys that the Bruins have. If you're putting someone on, Patrice Bergeron certainly should be in the All-Star game and selected to one of the All-Star teams. So uh, that's what we got today. Tomorrow, we'll talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Friday, I'm going to give you a picks picks. Now four games with the spread because there's only four games in this wild card weekend. And again, make sure you go back and listen to yesterday's podcast with Red Sox GM Mike Hazen. I am here five days a week. You can get this show whenever you want. Subscribe at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, any app in which podcasts are available, you can get this show. And, of course, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.